Malachi chapter 3. And I want to begin reading in verse 6. And I'm going to, uh, the question I'm going to ask you, the question that goes with the message. And a message is about provoking you to think. And I'm going to bring you to a decision this morning between you and God. And so here's my question. Will you rob God in 2024? Will you rob God in 2024? He said, oh boy, preacher, well, let's, let's get into it, and we'll see what God has for us here. In verse 6, now, I like this verse, and I, I have to, to, to read here. Now, the nation of Israel is in apostasy. Uh, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And so, they, they've got this false Christianity, and, and it's making God sick. And so God sent Malachi to begin to uh, preach to him and, and, and to tell him, look, you need to repent and come back to me. And so here's what the Lord says in verse 6, 4. I am the Lord. I change not. You see, there, there's the scriptural backing you hear me say every once in a while. If it was wrong a hundred years ago, it's still wrong. If it was right a hundred years ago, it's still right. Uh, the Lord says, I change not. But God's not going to change his mind about sin. And so uh, if this Bible calls it sin, if this Bible calls it an abomination, uh, that's how he felt about it when he penned it. He still feels that way about it. God doesn't change. And so he says, therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. And so he commands, return unto me and I will return unto you. Saith the Lord of hosts, but ye said, well, wherein shall we return? They're talking with God. They're asking this question. Will a man rob God? This is what God replies. Will you rob God? And so their reply is, Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And the Lord answers in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then he commands, Bring ye all the tithes, into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be no room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit. Before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Your, your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord, yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is in it that we have kept his ordinances and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. Let us pray. 
Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now for this time. We thank you for the sun shining right now. And Lord, we, we got a building that's warm. Uh, many places today don't even have a building to meet in, but we do. Lord, help us this morning to gain some insight into the Word of God and, and to what you have here for us. And Lord, uh, uh, bless uh, my mind and, and clear it. And, uh, and, and Father, let the Holy Spirit anoint my lips and Lord, uh, work with the hearts of people. Now, maybe there is uh, a person that's not born again. Maybe they're listening on the live stream. Lord, help them to see that they need to return to God. They, they, they need to return to the Lord, and, and the Lord will return back to them. Maybe there's some that are backslid, and boy, it's just awful nice to be out today. And Lord, help them to see that they really don't want to rob you in 2024. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I spent a couple of days in Nashville this week uh, with my brothers, and we were there at Carter's uh, Music Store. We was looking at vintage Martins, and don't panic. I didn't even have enough money to walk away with anything. I really didn't plan to buy anything. I was sharing that with couple of the folks and one of those guitars I was playing was $70,000 and uh, you couldn't play something like that you wouldn't you wouldn't see me leaving that open uh, there <laughs> uh, and so uh, a man had brought one in and it was $120,000 and uh, vintage vintage Martins and, and so uh, they, they got a unique sound but that, that's not the purpose of why I'm saying that what I'm saying is Thursday evening, we walked out. We were staying there at uh, Hampton Inn, and we walked across the street and got some supper. So Titus, who had been there before, said, I, I would like to take you guys down to uh, Jenny's Ice Cream. And I'm like, okay, all right, okay. And so we began to walk because there was valet parking, and parking is a nightmare. And so being our vehicles were put away, we weren't getting them back out. And so you got <laughs> two fat boys and one half fat. <laughs> Titus is a sandwich away from being fat. And so uh, here we go waddling down about three. Well, I looked. Uh, we, we, we put 4,500 steps in. So Jenny's, <laughs> to go get some Jenny's ice cream was quite a walk. And no, by the way, to me it wasn't worth it. But it's a, that's another story. But I noticed we got down there on the main drag, and this is Thursday evening. And I could, I could hear the music blaring, and, and, and I could see people coming and going. It was packed for a Thursday night. Now, when I grew up, Friday night was party night. Friday night was the night, you know, you went out, kind of let your hair down, what, what, whatever was your poison. And so it's been quite a few years since I've walked downtown in a city uh, on a Friday night, you know. But there, there was all kinds of these little joints, and every one of them had a live band in there. And boy, you could hear their music. And I kid you not, and I'm talking about 30 or 40 of these things we walked past. There was standing room only and people standing around on the sidewalks waiting to get in. And I made this comment to my brother Jeremiah, because we're, we're pastors, and I said, it's amazing. This is Thursday night. Thursday night. They got to get up and go to work tomorrow. 
And I said, here they are packed out. I said, you couldn't get somebody to show up at church on a Thursday night to save your life. It's just how pastors think. And my brother made this comment. He says, well, the world supports its own. I'm like, you know, I never thought about it like that. He says, the world supports its own. They're going to be there in support of the world's agenda. That's why the Lord tells us, he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And so what we find is the devil and these type of people, they will support their own causes, even if it is an inconvenience. They're there. And I thought that that would be kind of fitting for the message on here we are as Christians, children of God, and we should support God's cause, should we not? I mean, shouldn't Christians support its own? You know, the, the modern day Christian, and, and I know some of you have kind of turned me off a little bit. It's okay, I'll, I'll try to work my way in it because some of you are thinking tithing, he's going to preach on tithing, and that's Old Testament. Who is thinking that? Come on, oh, come on, come on. It's all right, it's all right. I'm not going to make fun of you. Yeah, you're not going to expose yourself. That's okay. Well, <laughs> just listen to the message because I'll make it weave together and I'll help you this morning to have a balanced view on giving to the Lord in 2024. But a lot of people, and you'll find out that more people than you think are dispensationalists. Now, when you use that term, people, they get all like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't like that. I just believe the Bible. Until you say, well, good. I want to see your tithes and offerings come into the house of the Lord. And all of a sudden, it's like, that's Old Testament. How dare you, preacher? It's Old Testament. How dare you? That's under the law. And so we see that the modern-day Christian does not want to hear anything about their responsibility, their stewardship is what we would call it to God. All they want to hear is, what can God do for me? This is an entitlement mentality, and it's part of the Laodicean church where God said that last church would be rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. You find out that when people need something from God, they show up. Boy, they're going to get all spiritual. And, 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 but when they don't need nothing for God, they got Sunday flu. You ever see that? They got Sunday flu. It's just sick every Sunday. There's always something. It's a toenail out of place. I didn't get my nails done. Couldn't get my hair fixed right. Uh, but boy, all through the week, you can run and do whatever you want to do to support the world. That's the modern day Christian. You see, the Laodicean church, where the members, if you can get that commitment, they're rich, they don't need anything. And God says this attitude, that attitude of entitlement makes him sick. Israel had that attitude. It wasn't that they weren't religious. It wasn't that they were given a little bit. Look at that verse. He says, bring ye all the tithes. You know what that indicates? They were putting some in, but not all. 
He also says tithes and the article. You know what and means? Plus one. And offerings. The Bible teaches us that tithe is the 10%. Anything you give above the 10% would be an offering. So they were robbing God. So the Lord begins to point this problem out. Israel's improper stewardship of what God had given them. And the Bible makes this declaration about God. In Psalms 24, he says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And so God is setting the mindset. God owns everything. Every dime you have in your pocket this morning, God owns it. It comes from God. You said, no, I work for it. God allowed you to work a job so you could earn it. And God has allowed you what he has given you to steward that for him. And all that God wants you to do is to write his 10% out first. And then he's going to allow you the 90% to steward your life with. God's never raised his rates. Have you ever thought about our tax rates in America? You probably don't think about it until you've got to start paying capital gains tax. You're thinking, now wait a minute, I thought I, taxed, I was taxed on that money that I made uh, the house payment with all these years, and now that I've paid it off or I've sold it and I've got this money, they're going to tax it again. And he's like, you know, God has not ever raised his rates. Still the same. Still, he's, I'm the Lord, I change not. Still the way that you put it in. Even if it's the widow's might, God will bless it. God will increase it. You know, your children that you have, your grandchildren, they're gods. They're gods. And you're to steward them. You're to see that they are raised right. I seen some papas and mimis this morning bringing their grandchildren to church for Sunday school. That's important. It's important. We'll get into it because Israel was robbing God in three places. And if it made God sick, and if it made God mad, and Israel is the apple of God's eyes, they were the chosen ones, and God will not let them get away with it. Do you think he'll let us get away with it? Uh-uh. So we're going to spend a few moments talking about that. But your children, you need to manage them. You're stewarding them. You say, well, they're mine. I'll do with them as I want, and that's part of the problem. They're God's. And God has told you how he wants you to raise them. God's way, the way of Christ, the time that God has given you to live is God's time. You're just a steward. The talents that God has given you are God's talents, and he's allowed you to steward them. Israel here is in great apostasy. They've strayed from God. And they was not stewarding or managing 
I see in this text three things properly. And so again, I will ask you the question. I want you to keep going over it in your mind. And you answer between you and God. You don't have to answer it to me. I'm just here as a mouthpiece for the Lord. And this is a message that the Lord had put on my heart. And I hope that you listen to it until the end. Don't turn me off. Don't tune me out. Because somewhere in this message, there'll be something that's said that God has just for you. Maybe you don't need all three points, but maybe you need one of them. And the first thing I seen that they were robbing God in was their time. They were robbing God of God's time. You look at verse 7 there. I tried to emphasize it as I was reading it. He says, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return to, unto me. Now he says, they're not keeping his ordinances. So he said, well, what's he talking about there? Well, because he says, you need to return to me and I'll return to you. They had abandoned or they were using the time that God told them to use to worship Him in, and they had substituted it for something else. They were not keeping the ordinances no more. They had forsaken God. Now, that word forsake, and the Bible commands us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and sometimes people think, well, that just means to totally desert it. Do you know there's another definition to the word forsake when you begin to study it? It means to substitute something else. Oh. You know, there's some people, they forsake their marriages because they substitute it with somebody else. That's called a forsaking, a deserting. Some people forsake the house of God, not because they're not thinking about God, but they substitute something else in the time that they should be using to worship God with. They were robbing God of His time. They had walked away from their relationship with God, and God said, return to me, and I'll return to you. I, I like that. Uh, we, we, again, we're, we're totally bombarded with this mindset that we need to sit in our little nest with our mouths open and God's just going to open the faucet of blessing on me. I can live for the devil. I can support the world's cause. But God's got to, he's duty bound to keep blessing me. And that's not how it works here. He says, you return to me. And then I'll return to you. Those are God's terms. See, our problem is we keep thinking that God is Santa Claus. And all the good little boys in the end get gifts and not coal. That's not how God works. God is a, is a God of quid pro quo. You turn around. you got to turn back to God. That means you're going to have to repent. And you come back to me. And on the way back to me, I'm going to come to you. Just like the prodigal father, as I said last week. Remember that? The prodigal father stayed on the porch. And when the son turned back to the father, the father met him while he was still a long way off. That's how God works. And so they were robbing God. Of God's time. I begin to run some numbers. I just want to jog your mind. I'm not saying you've got to 
use the same numbers I did. You see, God has given each and every one of us 24 hours a day, correct? Each and every one of us get the same 24 hours a day. Now, when you times that by seven days in a week, it's 168 hours, correct? So if we used to give God 10% of our time, as they were robbing God of his time, that'd be 16.8 hours. So, oh, preacher, you're meddling. There's 16 hours a week. That is for sure God's time. Now, if you want to take out, I, I counted the eight hours that you generally sleep a night. You could back that out if you wanted to. That'd give you about 160 hours. So you'd still, 10% of your weekly time would be 16 hours. And here's how I broke it down. If I wanted to honor God with my time, I'm not saying you've got to do it, but I, here's my question. Are you going to rob God in 2024 of God's time? I mean, has not God been generous to us? Has not God been kind to us? Has not God been a good God to us? And He's given us a time. We walked in here this morning. We got food in our bellies. Are we going to rob God in 2024 of God's time? And so I broke it down a little bit like this. That means six hours a week for church. Sunday morning, I figured two hours. Sunday night, it's two hours. I mean, you got, you got singing, you got testimonies, you got a little preaching. It's, it's two hours. Learn to estimate a little larger. Two hours. You say, well, you don't preach two hours. I know, but you got to drive the church. You got to drive home, right? You got to stop and get a hamburger on the way home. You got to eat something. I mean, come on. Two hours. Wednesday night, two hours. That's six hours a week. That's the Lord's time. Then I figured six hours a week for reading your Bible and praying. You do spend time at least an hour a day reading your Bible and praying, right? I mean, you're not going to rob God of that time, are you? That would leave you 3.8 hours a week. Now I'm figuring for 24-hour days and not 16-hour days, right? <laughs> Y'all, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm casting vision. I want you to think. You can run your own numbers. Let the Holy Spirit speak in your heart. But if we're using my math, and I counted God being generous to give you sleep time too, I mean, you do want Him to bless your sleep time, don't you? Or do you want Him to keep you awake all night? We're going to get into the cursing when you begin to rob God. And you can't sleep because you're being bothered. Why? Because God's going to get his time one way or another. I learned that years ago. We'll, we'll remind me of that. I'll tell you about that during the tithing part because they were robbing God in their tithe. God gets his money. I learned that lesson about 19. Thought I was all big and bad. We'll get to it in a minute. Right now we're talking about time. That'd leave you 3.8 hours a week to do church service. Somebody's got to sweep the floors. Somebody's got to do maintenance. Somebody's got to help out. This is, this is a, a big building. <laughs> Visitation and work around the church. 
Let me ask you, are you robbing God? Are you planning on robbing God in 2024? Israel was. They were taking God's time and using it to do something else. I wonder, what are using God 16.8 hours a week for? What have you replaced God's time with? What are you planning right now to replace God's time with this year? How will you rob God of God's time in 2024? So they were robbing God. Will you fill it up with travel ball, softball, game time, ballet, gymnastics, baseball, Woodworking, I put fishing on the last of the list. Fishing's therapy. (laughs) I'm preaching it. When you preach it, you can put fishing first. (laughs) And sleep. You know, some people just get into sleeping. And and most of the time, this is the, the excuse I hear. It's my only day to sleep in. I have every moment of every day totally consumed just to keep my head above water, preacher. I got it. Then you're more busy than God intended you to be. Why are we first to shuffle God's time? Years ago, here, I, I was preaching on spending time with the family. And, and having family time and make sure that's invested every week. You know what I had a couple of families do? Can't come back Sunday night. That's family time. You know, you did preach that, preacher. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Maybe I should have. I, I'm not here to make you live your best life now. I'm not here to make you do anything, but I am here as a mouse mouthpiece for God. When you want to kind of shuffle the schedule around, you better leave God's time alone and make sure you give God's time back to Him. Maybe that's why some people uh, pass off the scene early in life. Because they've squandered too much of God's time and they're not going to honor God's time. I remember years ago when my, pa- my father was pastoring a church and this man in the church fell sick and he was laying in the hospital going to die. And my father went there, and he says, Preacher, please, Preacher, will you pray, ask ask God to heal me. If God will heal me and put me up out of this hospital, I promise I'll come to church, and I'll start going to church, because I know that's what I'm supposed to do. Dad prayed. Guess what? Two days later, they released him. Says, we don't know what was going on with him, but it's gone. It's not in the test. This man's good. We waited. We got, they called. Give us the news. Oh, preacher. Oh, God's the great physician. He's the healer. Lord, he, he's, he's healed us, pastor. Amen. I'll see you in church Sunday. Oh, yeah. That hesitation. Sunday came and went. Never showed up. The next week, Sunday came and went. Never showed up. My father went to visit him the third week and says, hey. What's up? He said, oh, man, I'm, I'm doing good. I feel better than ever. Everything's good. And Dad said, 
You remember your promise to the Lord, your vow? So, well, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. And Dad says, look, I wouldn't be playing with God. You made a promise to God. And I would make sure if I was you, I'd find myself in the house of God this coming Sunday. Or God just might reverse your healing. Well, preacher, I think, I think it's over. It probably was a false alarm anyway. Guess what? Sunday came and went. Nothing. The next Sunday morning, we got the call. So-and-so's dead. Found him dead in bed. You say, what happened? Oh, I believe he was robbing God of God's time. And he had made a promise. God says, look, if you make a vow to me, it'd be better not to make the vow than make a vow and break the vow. I'm the Lord, I change not. I'd be careful with that stuff. So my question is, will you rob God of God's time, his 16 hours a week? Will you rob him? In 2024. But here's the second place and thing they were robbing God in. And you already knew it because you thought I was going to preach the whole message on it. Tithes and offerings. And I will tell you, people get funny when you begin to talk about money. They just, they get squirrely. They get upset. Because now I'm getting into where your heart really is. Is your money. You know your money that you got that you've scrimped and saved for, maybe the equity you got in your home and properties, whatever you got going on, it's God's. Now, are you going to rob God in 2024 of his part? You say, well, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament, preacher. Do you really want me to take you up on that challenge and show you what they were doing in Acts in the early church? Because I preached that, didn't I? What were they doing, church? They were giving everything. So how do you want it, church? Do you want New Testament only? Or do you, you kind of like this verse, I'm the Lord, I change not. And it's like, you know what? I, I kind of like the 10% principle. And the occasional love offering. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. I'm going to help you with that this morning. You rob God of his tithes. You know... Some people do ask the question, well, isn't tithing Old Testament law? And your answer to that is no. No, it's not. What did Jesus say? I mean, that's, that's popular today. People, people tell me, uh, I've been told this a number of times. <laughs> I was told this by a woman preacher once, uh, and I've heard it over and over again. I just follow the letters in red. My God's bigger than the Apostle Paul. She wouldn't even recognize uh, uh, 13 books of the New Testament because right there it said that you couldn't be a woman and pastor. Can't be a woman preacher. I mean, isn't it like the Word of God to clear these things up? I'm the Lord and I change not. God's not changing His mind on that just because we live in a post-Christian society. We live in a woke world. God ain't changed his mind on that. But let's get back to this money thing. Jesus says, woe unto you. That means judgment. Hold up. Warning. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh-oh. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. 
These, now here's, we're coming to the part that I want you to get. Christ says, these ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. Right from the Lord's mouth. He was saying, not only do you need to tithe your 10%, but you also make sure you do good judgment, make sure you have faith, and make sure you have charity for one another. So did Jesus command this to the church? Yes, he did. I preached a message not too long ago on real church, on God's financing for the church. Remember that? 1 Corinthians chapter 16, where the Lord says, Let every one of you, who is that? That's everyone, lay by him in store. Why would he use that word store? Because you find it here, storehouse. God is pulling the Bible together. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he commands the church and he gives you this principle. He gives us a divine blessing connected with giving. He says, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. I'm amazed that people want God's blessing faucet on full blast. And God's saying, if you want the faucet on full blast, then you need to make sure you're not robbing me of my tithe. Because if you rob God, like they were here, God says, I'm going to turn the faucet of blessing off, and I'm going to turn the faucet of cursing on. That's what he said here. He said, I'm going to give you a curse. You say, does that apply to us today? I believe it does. I believe it does. Let me get up here. A curse means to subject to evil. A curse means to torment with great calamities. One of the first things I ask an individual when they seem to go from one calamity to another is, are you giving right? Not that it's any of my business, but you're not robbing God, are you? Because God said, if you rob me, I'm turning the curse faucet on. I'm turning the blessing faucet off, and then that curse faucet, you're going to be tormented with great calamities, and you're going to be subject to evil. Oh my soul, I don't like that. I don't like that. What do you mean? God's a meanie. No, he's not. It's a mean thing to want to rob God. That's where the crime is. I know we're living in a society and we're bombarded with it where the criminal can come in and, and run a car through a store, come in and do a smash and grab, and it's, oh, poor little criminals. They're so misguided. They're, they, they just, they, they're doing without, they're, they're just taking things so they can live. No, they're not. They're selling it on the corner. They're selling it on the corner. You got your head in the sand. You see, we're robbing God. And God says, look, 
I'm going to open the faucet of cursing on. He's talking to his children. Let me give you another verse here. And Luke, again, the Lord, 638, he says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Say, what, what did God say? God says, look, when you give to me, don't rob me. Give me what's mine. I'll make sure you get it back, but when I go to give it back to you, I'm, I'm going to shake it down. You know, you ladies, when you're making those biscuits, and you put that flour in, you shake that flour down and make sure you get the right amount. And God said, I'm going to shake that down like you do when you're making some. Make sure you're getting the right. It gets all settled down. You get the air particles out of it. And then the Lord says, then I'm going to begin to heap, heap it, and it's going to run over. That's how I make coffee in the morning. If it calls for one scoop, I make sure that it is a heaping scoop. And Jen said, how much coffee did you put in there? Five scoops. Why does it taste different when you make it versus when I make it? Don't know. Five. One, two, three, four, five. Right, five. Because I'm making two scoops out of one scoop. And God says, that's how I'm going to give you back to you if you'll just not rob me. You know, I've tried the Lord out on that principle. Now, that takes some faith. Folks, I've had some financially lean times. I've had to try to make decisions on, are my children eating this week, or do I put this 10% in the plate? And trust God by faith. And I will tell you, I've not, only had, I've not always had enough faith to trust God. Been there. Done that. When it, I mean, I can miss a few meals. When it comes to those babies, mm, that gets down to where it gets real, don't it? Yeah. 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 You know, I told you I'd tell you this story years ago. God will get his money back. I jumped out, moved out of home, got my own place. I'm 18, working for Dan, the doorman, working 90 hours a week, making $5 an hour, bringing home about $400 a week. I, I was on top of the world. You know, I had money because uh, I couldn't spend no money. I didn't want my old 73 Gremlin no more. I mean, it was running fine. But I, I needed to step up, and I had a 78 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme that was in really good shape, and I bought it because it needed a transmission, and I put one in it. My dad helped me. He says, I know what you need. He says, I'll go to the junkyard, get your turbo 350. He says, it'll go right in there. You don't have to cut the drive shaft or nothing. I said, you sure? Dad said, yeah. He said, give me $100. <laughs> I give him $100. He went down there, bought one, brought it home, says, there's your tranny. Don't change the fluid in it. It's a good one, though. Okay, we put it in. I had to have, have him. I thought I was big and tough, you know. We're going to one hand that in there and bolt that in. I never was strong enough to do that. You know, I don't know what that thing weighed, but I had to go in there and get dad. Dad, that's what's wrong. I said, I can't one hand that thing in there and hold that, get them bolts started. The dad said, he come out. He crawled under there with me. He put one his hand on it. I put my hand. We got it in there and bolted in. Dad said, okay, you're good to go. 
He says, you know, your Uncle Pete used to be able to do that one hand. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not six foot eight. <laughs> you know? So I moved out of home and had drunk drivers total my 78 Cutlass. I, I didn't want to drive at 73 Gremlin. I was, I was too good for that, you know. So I jumped out and bought me a little 84 Cavalier manual transmission. Pretty little car, pretty little car. Low miles. I got to driving that. Low payments, high interest. Didn't know what I was doing, but I got her done. And I quit giving. Now I grew up, you're supposed to tithe. I wouldn't give, I wasn't going to tithe. That's Old Testament stuff. I used to think that way. Old Testament, I don't believe that. Oh, my dad, mom, they forced me to do all that stuff, and they didn't. But you, you know the song and dance. You've done it. You've heard that stuff before. Well, I'll tell you what, I got a weight problem today because my mom and dad forced me to clean my plates. Right. Right. I, I understand. Yeah, I, I used to have the same excuse. And then I got honest with myself and said, you know, that was one of the rules that you loved. I know it was, wasn't it? <laughs> I used to say, Mom, I'll clean the table off. Okay, honey. And then I'd eat everybody's leftovers. That's <laughs> what made me the man I am today. <laughs> you know, I didn't drive that car six months and the clutch went out of it. I don't think it had anything to do with me revving it up about 2,500 and drop, dropping the clutch or nothing like that. Yeah. So I took it, and I didn't know this rule. I took it to the GM dealer. Yeah, you're all laughing, yeah. And they said, yeah, yeah, we can fix that for you. About $580. Now, I'm going back over 30 years. That was a lot of money. I said, yeah, do it. And we'll put a new pressure plate, new clutch, new throw-out bearing. We'll fix you up. We'll fix you up. I didn't check it. When I got it, went to pick it up. I'm big. I'm bad. I peeled out the cash. I carry cash. Paid for it. Got in it. Drove off. Two weeks later, it was out again. Now, I wasn't horsing it around. So I wised up. My dad said, that's the last place I'd have took it was the dealership. I don't think they replaced all the parts right. So we took it to another mechanic, Old Mac, there in Metamore. Vietnam veteran, seen some hard times. He took it apart. He says, Todd, they never put a new pressure plate. This pressure plate went out. They didn't put a new pressure plate in it. He charged me $200 to fix all that, put it all in, and it worked till I got rid of it. You know, I got to running those numbers through. You know, that was exactly what I was behind in my 10% giving. What I'm saying is God will get his money. You know, it'd be a whole lot better just go ahead and put it in the plate and let God have it and not let him take it from you. Well, you rob God of your tithe in 2024. Here's how to look at this biblically right. You see, Abraham started tithing the 10%. Abraham lived 450 years before Moses and the law. So Abraham started it. That'd be Genesis 14. Jacob, which was one of the sons there, continued it. That would be sons of Isaac. Jacob continued it in Genesis 28. Moses incorporates it. God said, I like this. Incorporate it into the law, Moses. 
And so Moses incorporates it into the law. Nehemiah restores it. See, they go into apostasy and they got to fix things. So Nehemiah restores the tithing. Malachi, it's where we're at this morning, commands it. Jesus commends it. In Matthew 23, we read that. God ordains it in 1 Corinthians 9. And then Paul explains it for the church in 1 Corinthians 16. That's how you look at tithing. God's never changed his mind on that. Will you rob God in 2024 of his tithes and offerings? And I'm about done because that really was the heart of the message. But they was robbing God of one more area. Robbing God of his talents. Actually a service. But you serve God with your talents. There in verse 14, they said it's vain to serve God. You know why they said that? There's nothing in it for us. There's just nothing in it for us. Why would I serve? There's no profit. They would not serve because there was nothing in it for them. There was no entertainment. There was no hot dogs. No, no toys for the kiddies. Isn't it a wonder so many churches have turned the church into entertainment? That's just so they can try to get the people there so they can afford to keep the doors open. Because people are robbing God. And so I ask you, are you going to rob God in 2024 of, of God's time? All he needs is 16 hours a week. Are you going to rob God of God's tithe? It's only 10%. Are you going to rob God of the service to Him in 2024? And some of you are answering this. Like, oh man, preacher. If you decide to rob God, then expect don't expect the faucet of blessing to be opened up on you. It'll be the faucet of cursing. God will turn the faucet of blessing off. Oh, your good job you might have now, you keep robbing God, you might not have it. Don't rob God in 2024. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. God does not change. He's not changed his mind on that. He said, preacher, I, I really didn't like it. Well, now you know why I didn't want to preach it. So everybody stand. People get mad. You can stand. It's fine. We're done. That was the message. I don't have no more notes. <laughs> so as my pappy said, you run out of notes, be like at least have enough sense like an automatic washing machine. Turn off. That's the message God put on my heart. My concern for you is don't rob God in 2024. You say, preacher, I am so financially bound, I can't give 10%. Then give five. Here's the problem. It's when you won't give nothing. That's when it becomes a problem. Maybe you are financially in a bad way. 
Maybe due to unforeseen circumstances. Maybe you've got medical bills that have piled up. Hey, I know that. I know all about that. Folks, I'm not preaching about something I don't know about and I don't have no compassion about. Then pick a number that the Lord and the Holy Spirit will leave you alone about and be faithful to put it in, but don't rob him. And try the Lord on and see if he don't give it back to you. Shaken down, running over. You know, I begin to trust God because I'm the guy with the smallest faith in here. And I told the Lord, that's before I pastored, or pastor, I said, Lord, because I wrestled with that. I got to have enough gas money to get to work this week. Lord said, how about trusting me? Oh, wow, that's novelty. It's a novel idea. What do you mean trust? I trust you, Lord. Then put your 10% in. You know what? I started doing that. I don't know what we're going to eat Thursday. You know, God started bringing it in. I found I had more money for trusting God than I would have had if I'd have just kept it. Because I didn't have enough faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Been there. Done that. Don't rob God in 2024. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you, we love you. Lord.